Welcome to LilyPod Episode 3, Relationship Priority Order. Welcome to LilyPod with Jeff and Kathy Teichert. We are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and certified life coaches. Together, we founded Love in Later Years, also known as Lily. Our messages are directed towards mid-singles and remarried couples. We also welcome anyone who enjoys personal development and enriching relationships. In our last podcast, God is Love, So Are We, we discussed the importance and potential of becoming love just as God is love. We do this by embracing the love God has endowed us with as a state of being. We also highlighted the two great commandments, which are to love the Lord thy God and to love thy neighbor as thyself. There are implications in the way these are stated about how to prioritize relationships. Love for God came first, and even though the word neighbor came before self, as thyself would indicate that the self becomes before neighbor. And then how do we define neighbor? It's all our brothers and sisters here on earth, those we come into contact with, those we have influence over, um, starting with those who are in closest proximity and moving outward. When we're married, we sleep with our closest neighbor, our spouse, and our children are next. After that, we love extended family. Our parents and siblings become extended family when we grow up and have families of our own. We further extend that love to other extended family with aunts, uncles, cousins. And also we have chosen families like our best friends, our ward families, our neighborhoods. Our work associates and anyone else we meet can also be defined as a neighbor. You know, Kathy, I was thinking as we were preparing to talk about this, about my experience at BYU, which people sometimes fondly or not so fondly call the marriage capital of the church. And uh, I have two degrees from BYU and sort of now i guess i'm far enough away from that experience to admit that one of the main reasons i chose to go to graduate school at byu is that i wasn't married yet and uh, wasn't really quote unquote free to leave and uh, anyway marriage and choosing a spouse and all of those things are, are such a huge topic at brigham young university uh, among students, um, faculty is talking about it all the time. A lot of devotionals talk about it. And perhaps the most famous talk ever given at BYU on the subject of marriage was called Marriage and Divorce, and it was given by President Kimball back in the 1970s. And that, of course, was in the heyday of Saturday's Warrior and My Turn on Earth and people believing they met their spouse in the preexistence and all kinds of stuff. And, and so there's all kinds of quotable phrases from this talk, you know, where he says any good man and any good woman can have happiness in a successful marriage. if Both are willing to pay the price. Probably every Latter-day Saint has heard that and few probably know where it actually came from. But anyway, that was President Kimball. Well, in this talk entitled Marriage and Divorce, 
he also talks about priority order. And he said, sometimes in marriage, there are other cleavings in spite of the fact that the Lord said, thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart and shall cleave unto her and none else. And he's quoting Doctrine and Covenants 42.22, and he continues, This means just as completely that thou shalt love thy husband with all thy heart, and shalt cleave unto him and none else. Frequently, still quoting President Kimball, frequently people continue to cleave unto their mothers and their fathers and their chums. Sometimes mothers will not relinquish the hold they have had upon their children, and husbands as well as wives return to their mothers and fathers to obtain advice and counsel and to confide. Whereas cleaving should be to the wife in most things and all intimacies should be kept in great secrecy and privacy from others. And I believe that that, that, that sets a clear priority. What does the Lord actually mean when he says none else? Well, President Kimball used parents as an example, but what about your children? Well, of course, we care about our children and they are a priority in our lives. But when it says none else, I think it means that your spouse is literally the highest priority you have and, and nothing else should get in the way of that. Now, there are some people... And that's in terms of earthly relationships. But as we've discussed with those first great commandments, loving the Lord our God is first. Right, right. Yeah. And I think prioritizing your spouse above all other cleavings or all other relationships is doctrinal the way we've talked about it. Some argue, however, that if a spouse comes before the children, then that will permit abuse to occur and things like that. Let me clarify that because really there, there is no, uh, there is no reason why the fact that your spouse is the priority means you should tolerate them behaving in an evil or unrighteous manner. If you step in to stop your spouse from abusing your children, uh, whether, whether they are your children or your stepchildren or whatever, uh, really you're not putting the children above your spouse. You're putting God above the spouse. You are, you are taking his commandments, for example, not to offend one of his little ones very seriously and, and allowing your spouse to know that, yeah, I love you, but I'm not going to allow you to abuse the people around me or me because I am also a child of God. God doesn't want us to be abused. He doesn't want any of his children to be abused and to whatever extent we can prevent it including removing ourselves from unhealthy situations. That's what he would want us to do. Right. Now, some people have asked the question, well, why would you put yourself first? Isn't that selfish? Because uh, we, because we mentioned that as thyself would indicate that self comes before neighbor and neighbor is all of humanity. Right. I think from a doctrinal or a scriptural <laughs> point of view, uh, there are people who say it's it's not doctrinal that you love yourself in the scriptures. And I even heard a, 
friend of mine that is a member of another Christian faith say, well, that's assuming Jesus was assuming that you love yourself and then wants you to, to love other people equally. And it's almost, in fact, I think she did say it was kind of a narcissistic sort of, of love. Well, and I don't think you're going to love another person in a narcissistic kind of way. I mean, you could love someone, I guess, in a codependent kind of way, but I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about either. Here is my, the gospel according to Jeff. I think we are to love God without reservation, with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, with everything we have and everything we are. And, and why is that the first and great commandment? Well, we can be totally vulnerable with God. We can totally trust him. He will never let us down. Now, sometimes that doesn't mean we we'll, won't have any trials, but we will know that he would not do anything to us that would not be an act of love. And in our highest good. Right. And I think we gain our love of self because he loves us, because he sent his only begotten son to die for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I think it's also because in that relationship with him, we understand that we are children of God and that in that respect, we have that divine nature within ourselves. And I think that enhances our self-love. But what does it do for our love for others? Well, if I know that I'm a child of God created in his image with that divine spark in me, I can look at my neighbor, whoever that is, and say, yeah, you know, Corey, Bill, Catherine, you know, whatever the, the person's name is, I also see that you are a child of God, beloved of him with that divine spark in you. And I can love my neighbor as myself, not more, not more, but, th but this, the same, because that love comes from the same place, the same source. Right. And as far as priorities go, because we've been sent to earth to gain experience and wisdom as free agents, and we're always with ourselves, the first person responsible for me is me. There's no one else that can be responsible for my choices and my, my well-being. And in terms of your well-being, it's a little bit like putting a breathing mask on yourself. You know, on, on the airplane, it's a familiar safety instruction. If the masks drop out of the ceiling, put the breathing mask on yourself and then help any children next to you. And the reason for that is obvious, because if you're passed out for lack of oxygen, you can't help the person next to you. But if you are breathing, then you're alive and you're able to take care of others. And in more subtle forms in life, uh, we can be tired and worn out and we need to renew our energy. And when we don't do that, we aren't, we don't show up as well for the responsibilities we have and for those people that we love and care about. I know sometimes that I have, um, I, I was raised, you know, in a, in a family where I was kind of taught to be, to put others first and to, 
especially for men to make life as as nice for our wives as possible and that really if i didn't do that i could expect problems in my marriage and the, the problem with adopting that kind of view and becoming a pleaser is you will give but then you'll resent it inwardly well an over pleaser because i think we actually as human beings we like like to please each other but if you do it at your own expense and you don't take care of your own needs uh, that's when the resentment can can set in and then it actually becomes counterproductive in the relationship. Right. I mean, I want to please Kathy, but not at the expense of doing what I think is right or uh, at the expense of of my own uh, well-being and survival. And, and the same thing with her. I want her to please me, but I don't want her to please me to the extent of of giving up her own happiness or physical well-being. And, and so I think that's a balance each of us has to try to strike. Um, I'm reminded of the scripture in Moroni 7 that talks about, uh, you know, if you give a gift or pray to God and do it grudgingly, you might as well have retained the gift because it's not counted to you as righteousness. And I think we can fall into that trap sometimes in giving to others because we feel we have to or we want to please them. And of course, sometimes doing a little thought work can help us change our motives and give from a purer heart. But I do believe that, you know, it's also correct what King Benjamin said uh, in the Book of Mormon, that it is not needful that a man should run faster than he has strength and None of us have unlimited strength. Right, because we're human. And so when it comes to self first, it's really about self-responsibility and self-reliance and not putting that on someone else. Um, it's not selfish. It's not narcissistic. It's not. That's not what that's about. It's about responsibility and um, taking that responsibility uh, sincerely. I, I remember sitting through an elders quorum lesson a zillion years ago when I was on my mission and the teacher was a, a pretty good teacher. His name was Graham, if anyone cares, but uh, he was, he, he posed the question, what if I'm walking past a pub? I served in Australia and I see Warwick press in there with a schooner of beer in front of him. He says, now who is, the first person responsible for Warwick. And I remember thinking, well, it's it would be his home teachers. You know, I'm thinking about the order and the kingdom of God and all that. And then somebody else said, Warwick. And I thought, oh, yeah. Warwick's responsible for himself before anyone, before we get to his wife, his home teachers, the bishop, the elders quorum president, or anybody else. Right. You know, I made a habit of asking my dating partners their priority order of relationships during my mid-single years. And it was so interesting, the variety of answers that I received and their various reasoning. One man said that he would put his kids first and then his spouse and then himself and then God. And he ordered them based on those with the greatest need for him. You know, considering basically God doesn't need him. Uh, 
he had a second spouse who had been abusive to his kids. And so he's understandably very protective of them. Um, so I thought that was, that was an interesting response. And I mean, he had his reasons for that order. Reasons that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, although it's not mine to judge it either. So, well, I, I understand it, even if it's not my order. Right. Um, also I, had another who man who told me that he would put his spouse first among above everyone, including God, because he had this romantic vision of spouses coming above all else, um, believing that that's what God would want him to do. And, you know, he had his own reasoning for that. And um, it made sense from his perspective. And um, he stayed single for a very long time until after his young child had grown. Um, probably for that reason, he felt maybe that he needed to do that first so that when he when when that child was out of the, his home and no longer in his care, that he would be available to put that spouse number one. And then he would expect that in return. I mean, I think that, that there's something in his theory that's a little bit right. I, I don't agree with it the way you stated it. And again, not mine to judge where he, where how he's interpreting it, but the only other person besides God that we're asked to love with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind in, uh, in Scripture is our spouse. And so that is, you know, I, I think God comes first, but the spouse is the only other person we're asked to love with all our heart. Right. And, you know, we acknowledge that not everyone is going to have the same priority order as us. And uh, whatever it is, we encourage choosing a companion based on priorities that match yours, um, because that will be important in cohesiveness in a future marriage. Because I knew that if I was going to put my spouse first, but my spouse put their kids first, it wouldn't be balanced. It wouldn't be uh, there would always be this off-centeredness. I mean, you've talked about when the relationship is out of balance with the interest level. Mm -hmm. What do you call that? Um, I don't know the term you're looking for. Well, you've done it in regards to intimacy. Oh, like an intimacy gap. Yes, an intimacy gap. It could be a priority gap. Uh, in the same manner that whenever there's a gap in however you're viewing or what you believe your values are, there's going to be some, some tension unless you can come to the middle somehow. It might be worth saying here at this juncture also that this priority order we're talking about where we put God first is not equivalent or the same as putting church first. Sometimes it might mean putting church first. Sometimes it might mean putting spouse first. Sometimes it might mean putting self first. And but, sometimes even kids first if there's a, a, an urgent need. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be, and sometimes it's putting work first. Because the reality is, even if God comes first and self comes second and spouse comes third, um, we aren't going to maintain all of the things that are important to us if we only focus on 
self or only focus on spouse. And following God helps us keep all of those other priorities straight. Right. Well, God is love. So are we. And he doesn't limit his love. He, it's not that confined. And it doesn't need to be for us either. This is just a general framework of thought. So developing a, a priority system can give us a, a way to think about things, a framework. President Nelson talked about this in Daily Joy, and he said, quote, it is not possible to influence one facet of our life without that affecting other aspects. And the, uh, the title of that that day, that daily joy is actually for every day of the year. And, and the title of that, that day was synergizing interests. And President Nelson prefers, quote, not to compartmentalize our interests, but to synergize them. Now, this, um, I guess, reminds me of a talk that uh, Elder Bednar, well, an example he's given in several talks. But he actually comes out and says balance is a lie. And he says you can only be in one place at one time. You can't be doing everything at once. And but we used the word balance earlier. Are we contradicting right. ourselves? Well, the way he describes balance, the, the, the appropriate use of the term, I guess, is the metaphor is kind of like the magician that has all the plates spinning, each one on a different stick. And when one of them starts to sort of quiver or totter, he goes over and spins that one and keeps it going. And then another one of them looks like it's going to fall. And so he goes over and spins that one. Sometimes life can feel that way when we get overwhelmed. Right. And, you know, you may think or feel that God comes first, yourself comes second, spouse comes next. But if you've got a crying baby... Uh, until you spin that plate, you're not going to be able to take care of any of the, the prior uh, priorities. And so in the interest of, of not only the baby, but everybody else around you, including yourself, uh, you're going to spin that plate right then. And there's not, that isn't putting the baby ahead of your other priorities. It's merely indicating that there's an urgent need, that that baby is your responsibility, and that to take care of, of, of everything you need to take care of, you've got to put that first. But again, we even... We love all our priorities. Right. And that is situational to some degree, too, because, I mean, ridiculous example, but if your house is on fire and your baby's crying... You're going to grab that baby, put him, tuck him under one arm and run out of the house. And you're going to make sure everybody's safe before you decide to calm that baby down. So, I mean, it's going to depend on the situation you're in in that moment. Right. What plate you're going to spin. You know, and if we truly love God, we will take care of the mind, body and spirit that he's blessed us with. And also the people he's entrusted us to. Yeah, so when we... When oh, I guess it would be entrusted to us. The people he's entrusted to us, the people who have come into our lives that we have made our family or that we've chosen as our 
our best of people that we're in contact with constantly and that rely on us or that um, in one way or another are influenced by us, that we're going to love the person he's, you know, he's created in us and also the people he's sent here to earth for us to love. Right. I think in this priority order, I, I don't want us to be misunderstood as saying that when there is a conflict between two priorities, the higher priority always wins. Because, like I said, if you've got a crying baby, that need may be stronger and more urgent than, say, your husband or wife's need for a date night in that moment. Now, maybe one is a higher priority overall, but I don't think your priority order always answers every question about what you should do right now in this moment. It, but it does give you a framework to think about it overall. If you are a woman, say, who got the house and the babies and now doesn't really care about the husband anymore and is kind of neglectful there, that's a problem. If you're the husband who is always away from home and at work, um, you know, and you're not putting your spouse ahead of, of your job uh, enough, that's something that should bother you a little bit. Right. It well, should having, be in your, in your uh, radar. Right. Having a framework uh, and a general priority order can help you step back from any situation and think, okay, what do I need to give a little more attention to? Stephen Covey talks about sharpening the saw. And there's a lot of things that are very important that are not urgent, but they're so important, they create our lives. And if we don't step back and take the time to do those really important things that aren't urgent and right in our face, we miss a lot. And, and it can be the same way with relationships or with goal, personal goals or whatever, um, that you know we wanna be able to evaluate and respond to the way our life is going and be able to make some course corrections as needed. You know, I, I remember hearing Stephen Covey tell a story about sharpening the saw, and I think he got the term from Abraham Lincoln. Um, someone asked, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln, what uh, he would do if he was given three hours to um, – to you know cut through a log or something and he'd say well i'd spend the first two hours sharpening the saw and of course the idea was you're going to cut a lot better with a sharp saw than with a dull one and uh, i think we can if we don't prioritize ourselves sometimes sometimes you need a day off from work or you need a nap or you need to take a bubble bath and listen to soft music or, or exercise, exercise, invigoration. right? There's a variety of different things that are going to keep your saw sharp that, uh, you know, it gets dull from overuse if, if we push it too hard and we can push it too hard in service of very noble and good priorities, but just overdoing because we haven't, given appropriate priority to ourselves. Right. I know sometimes when I push through 
and try to accomplish something when I'm really tired or hungry, I'm not as effective. I might as well have taken that break and given myself what I needed so that I could go back and do it twice as fast. It um, really, and I think we've all experienced that. And so that's just something to keep in mind is that when we, when we take the time to love our God and to love ourselves, we show up to everything else in life so much better. Yeah, I agree. So we're thankful that you tuned in and we hope this has given you some uh, food for thought and that you'll take some time journaling or otherwise thinking about what your priorities are. Remember that any time is right time for more love in your life. Thanks so much for listening to Love in Later Years. We'll catch you next time.